Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Mixed Bag coming to you live once again from the J Cave. Sorry we're a little late tonight. I am joined by my good man Bill Murphy. What is going on, folks? Just a reminder, everyone. We the best podcast. We the best podcast. We are so happy to be back here for our 101st episode of Mixed Bag. And we got a fun topic for you tonight. What is our topic tonight, Bill? Bruce, I just want to say thanks for all those who tuned in last week for our 100th episode. Oh, yes. Thank and you. And again, thanks to Justin, Allie, and Danny Boy Reg for joining our celebration last week. Um, yes. But I have to say, you know what? It's kind of nice to be back to, you know. The, the grind of stuff. Yeah, because, you know, like for the six weeks leading up to the 100, you're doing the music thing. And then we had the 100th last week. It's time. It's nice to get back to like the normal pace of things. Yes. Um, Okay, so we got a fun topic for you folks tonight. What is our topic, Bill? Okay, as you all know, we love music and we love movies. So what, so um, besides the director, what is the most important, what is the most, what is one of the most recognizable things in a movie? Oh, I don't know, Bill. What about the score? The score, the music. So today we... We are counting down our top five favorite film composers. Yes. I'm excited about this one because Halloween's coming up. Uh, we're going to do some stuff next week or the week after for that. Look forward to that soon. Well, next week because Halloween's on Monday. We want to be doing stuff. Is that on Monday this year? Oh, that's terrible. It really sucks being on a Monday. Yeah. For all of us American, all of our American listeners out there, just letting you know, Halloween this year is on Monday. It's, yeah. Which was on like a Saturday, just saying. Anyways. All right, I guess. So I'm going to go first. Yes, I just want to say to those who are trick-or-treating at my house, if either the Yankees are in the World Series, do not come by my house. I will not give you candy. I am too busy watching the game. Yes, go Yankees. Congratulations. Can we want to, so tonight's show is dedicated to the Yanks for reaching the American League Championship uh, so far against the Houston Astros. All rise, baby. All rise. We know what's going to happen. We're rooting for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of scared, but... That's a topic for sports insanity. Um, yes, or a sports theme mixed bag show. Who knows? Um, maybe we'll do that one day. And we'll bring the whole network. It'll be a blast. Um, we'll have to wait and see, of course. Yeah, we'll wait and see on that. Okay, but anyway, our top five film composers. I gotta say, this list wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be to make. I agree. For me, too. Because I thought it was going to be just, you know... I thought it was going to be just a tough list to make, but you know what? Yeah. It was pretty easy. This list was actually pretty easy to make. Yeah, it was pretty straightforward, really easy to do, and uh, absolutely. I mean, it was pretty straightforward. Um, do you mind if I go first? Sure. So, Just letting you guys know, we're going to go from five to one, our, our fifth favorite composer of all time, to our number one favorite composer of all time. There all might right, be some dude. It's your channel. You go first. Fair point. I'm going to start tonight off talking about one of my favorite composers, truthfully, from the 80s, but he still does great work to this day. Um, I wonder if I'm very curious. To see what, I wonder if this is on Bill's list, Bill's list or not. But my number five pick for my favorite composers of all time is Alan Silvestri at number five. Because mm. the dude has, um, uh, for this, if you're listening to us and you don't know who we're talking about, just look, Google the words Alan Silvestri, and his work will come up. He composed the music for Predator, 
uh, the Polar Express, back to the, oh, the entire Back to the Future trilogy. He also composed the Forrest Gump soundtrack. This is a guy who's a pretty darn good composer, and he has a lot of really solid movies underneath his belt. Even the Avengers, one of my top ten favorite films of all time. Hmm. So, I don't know, Bill. Do you have any thoughts on Alan Silvestri as a uh, as a composer? Do you like him at all? What What do you got? Well, I'm not gonna give too much because guess what? Three. Oh my two, god! <laughs> one. Let's say it again. One, two, three. Two. We swiped right. We swiped right. It's been a little bit, buddy. It's been a little bit since we've swiped right. It's been a while since we swiped right. We did that six-part music thing for a while. Yeah, but, we couldn't really swipe right on it. But, uh, but yeah. Now we we're just talking about stuff. But yeah, I mean, so this is your number five too. That's my number five too, actually. So I'm going to talk about it more when I get to my list. Sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, one of my favorite composers, his his sound is very bombastic. Very, it fits the movie that I mean, all of the composers that we're going to talk about tonight fit their fit the whatever movie they were in, of course. But this one in particular, Alan Silvestri, and the guy has put, composed some of my favorite films of all time: Back to the Future, uh, The Avengers. Even I didn't I didn't realize he did the Night at the Museum once. Uh, he did Night at the Museum. I think all three of them. Yeah, and. He he did he he did oh he did Avengers in Infinity they brought him back for Avengers Infinity War he he's, he's a, he did Judge Dredd oh I didn't realize that okay um but yeah I'm a big fan of him and his sounds are very like not so menacing like when we when we get to certain other composers I want to just bring up some other artists some other styles that they brought up but I will say Alan Silvestri one of those composers who really just his style is very like loud bombastic but at the same time it's got some good uh, smoothness to it like and the polar express is a good example of this he had a lot of a lot of bombast and a lot of soothing elements in there too like the score in that one was really good too and he actually if i was thinking he's friends with robert zemeckis the director of forrest gump now oh yeah i think he is because robert zemeckis did back to the future one two three forrest gump and castaway and he looks like he composed all his films too hmm so maybe they're good friends. I don't know, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, that but my, my number five would be is gonna be Alan Silvestri, the composer of some of the greatest films of the 80s and into the night. Are you there? Bill, if this is your number five, what do you got? All right, this is my number five as well. Um, I really like Alan Silvestri's sound, like what you were saying. And I also like his range, how he could be like kind of soothing, like with the yeah. Forrest Gump soundtrack, with the the music and the feather and the, you, you know, you know what I mean. With the music and the feather, how it could be very just soothing, but also yeah. how he could be, you know, fun like with the um back to the future soundtrack which i was actually listening yeah. to right before i came on by the way um Ooh, nice it's just such a and it, it, it's just such a fun soundtrack that alan silvestri put together and he also did the um also did who framed roger rabbit yeah 
He also did Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is a classic. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Which that, is an absolute is... classic. And also, dun, 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 That's such a, that's such like an epic sound. It just has such an epic, you know, just a oomph, you know what I mean? Bombastic. Oh, yeah. And the Avengers is, is in my top ten favorite films of all time. So I mean that that shows you how good he is. Back to Futures too. Dun, but, uh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I love it. I love his scores in general. Yeah, his music is just great. He really knows how to direct. Uh, not direct. He really really knows how to have a lot of like bombast in certain movies. Like a lot, a lot of his movies, most of his movies are action or sci-fi or whatever, but at the same time, it's, they all fit the context of the film, which is nice. Oh, absolutely. So, like he knows when to be bombastic, but he knows when to be nice and soothing and knows when to be, you know. Yeah, like Forrest Gump, I mean, it's another one. Yes, so absolutely, I agree. Yeah. So, Alrighty. Since you, this is your number five, and this yeah. is my number five, do you want to go to your number four? Or do you want me to go to my number four? Uh, why don't you do your number four first? Okay. So my number four, guys, uh, for those of you who are keeping track at home and don't know me as well as you thought you might, I have to tell you the honest truth. And this might surprise some people, but on the same time, I'm actually a huge... This is one of the scores. This is one of the composers that his scores stuck out to me when I was just growing up watching movies in general. But mm-hmm. Danny Elfman. Oh. Did, did you have him on your list too? Or not not? On my number four, but I do have him on my list. Okay. All right. So we didn't swipe right this time. We swiped somewhat, right? We swiped somewhat, right? You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Um, I, I'm going to say Danny Elfman's score for this it has very creepy elements you know because he works with tim burton a lot you know what i'm talking about yeah i'm, I'm gonna abstain my comments to tell him to like get to him on my list if that's okay that's perfectly fine bill uh, but if you you may not know the name of him but you some people might know danny elfman because of batman 1989 batman returns in 1992 Car- uh, Coraline, charlie and the chocolate factory uh beetlejuice um the Corpse Bride, Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, he also did Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness's score uh, recently. He did Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3 from Spider-Man, um, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films, Men in Black. His, and he also did Avengers Age of Ultron. I forgot he did that one. Uh, he also did 9 in 2009, ironically. That is so fitting, isn't it? 2009 in 2009. Absolutely, Bill. Um, but Goodwill Hunting is another one he did too. He did the score for the two. I noticed that his scores are typically. He also did the first Mission Impossible film. Here it says here on Big Fish, another great movie. Um, he, his story, his score in general, he is a masterful composer. But his uh, the movies he does kind of fit a certain style, if that makes sense. Like yeah, they the do. Movie, like the movies, I, I, I know, I know, I, I'm, I'm trying to save as much for you as I can, but I'm gonna just say that he, his, his movie, his music for his movies are very much, um, 
they fit like the darker music, like the Batman 89, Batman Returns films, Beetlejuice. You know, these are darker type of thematic films. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was a dark movie. It had some dark elements to it. So he had to he fit that context as well. Nightmare Before Christmas. I'm not going to talk about it because I want Bill to do it. But that's one of one of his favorite movies. And I'll let him talk about that when he, his, his you're gonna just sit here and let me gush about it when we get when I get to Danny Alvin, aren't you? About the not not just about the movie, but the score as well. So, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean his his music for his movies are very like slow build up, very but when they when they get bombastic, they get bombastic. Like the the best example I have of this is with the Batman from 1989. Uh that score is so good. And especially the part where he's like when Batman is like flying in the Batwing in front of the moon and whatnot, that's such a great, great scene. And the music ties in perfectly with it. And he's really good at that, which is great. So I don't want to go on too much. I'm going to let Bill talk about his when he when when his his choice goes to Danny Elfman, too. But let's jump over. That is my number four. Danny Elfman is my number four composer of all time. Bill, what is your number four composer? My number four is Hans Zimmer. I thought it would be higher. Who, Hans Zimmer? For you, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what they say. You can't always get what you want. <laughs> you never know. Hey, you know what? I have a bigger question I'd like to know. What? Who is they? Oh, who is they? When they say, you know what they say. You know what I think it is before I go out of Hans Zimmer? I think it's a bunch of random people who live in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, my God. <laughs> so if they are watching, yes, I think you live in Omaha. But anyway, let's get back, let's get back to business. Hans Zimmer, his music could be very, you know what I, his music kind of has like that realistic, kind of has like that realistic, thing into it that work and sound gritty but also could just sound like you know slice of life like in rain man but also if you bring up things like say like the dark night yeah the dark night x-men and every other because he's done a lot of work with christopher nolan yeah He's done a lot of work with Christopher Nolan. Um, he has. It's, you know, he 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 did the score to Inception, Interstellar, all the Dark Knight, and it kind of has like that rush kind of pace to it. But you know what? I do have one criticism of Hans Zimmer. A lot of his scores aren't really that hummable. Have you noticed that? Hummable, like like a hmm, like that, like that. Yeah, it's not really like it. His music is great, but it's not really stuff that's like catchy. You know what I mean? It's not really stuff that you. I mean, it kind of drills into the story. Memorable, great. Well, but it's not. I, I, you know, I agree with you. I actually agree with you. I believe it is actually very much. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with you actually that I feel like his music, his scores are very. This is one of my picks as well. Just saying. Um, so I won't go into too much about it, but I feel like well, some of his scores. We really should have looked at our list before we did this. No, we're fine, Bill. Don't worry. Yeah. We're good. Um, but yeah, like we. 
it's it's so what he brings to the table is very 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 good very very powerful and a lot of it has a lot of emotion but you're right though i can't hum the dark knight score i can't hum interstellar score or the man of steel score he did that one too i can't hum or i can think of i can hear it in my head i can't like see it i can't not see it. i can't like hum it or sing it though because you know what's one thing you know what's one um you know like what's one score though i can remember I can remember though, and you're gonna hate me for this one. Which one? He actually did the score to the Lion King. Oh no, I knew that. I, I knew like, that. Because the two things that remember me that I really remember from the score is like after after Mu- is the scene when the stampede when Mufasa unfortunately dies and it has that. And it has that that big bombastic that that and it just sounds like you're really just running for your life. Yeah. And then that sort of soft, somber tone when Simba finds Mufasa. And 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 you could just hear the emotion with the music and also the thing i was just humming like one of my favorite pieces of music from hans zimmer and the lion king it's it's a piece called king of pride rock and it's the scene is simba has defeated scar it's raining Mm -hmm. and you hear that um and you just and you hear the and you hear the do do no 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 and then probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie when Simba goes up to Rafiki and Rafiki goes it is time and then the and then the score Rick makes with the African vocals by the great Lebo M. Yeah. The da, na, 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 da, da, na, 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 da, na, 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 da, na, 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 and and then he roars and then. That's the end of the film. Because you know what? I had to talk about The Lion King. Because, you know, everybody talks about the Elton John and Tim Rice songs in The Lion King, which they deserve credit, don't get me wrong. Of course. But I think Hans Zimmer's score is very underappreciated in that movie. Because they always, they talk about the Elton John and Tim Rice songs in there. Like, Hans deserves a little bit of credit, folks. Come on, he deserves some credit. And, you know, just his fusion with his style and, again, with the African chants is absolutely gorgeous. It's just his score with those chants is just absolutely amazing. And, you know, he just brings, like, realism to a lot of those. He just brings a lot of realism, you know? Huh. 
you're on mute. As you were saying, Bill, sorry. Uh, he just brings a lot of those sort of like that realistic tone to the music. You know what I mean? His music just brings a realistic kind of flair to the yes. scores. And just like in The Lion King, I think it's just such a beautiful fusion of his music and the African chants by Lebo M. I think everything just goes into... And also, fun fact about that with The Lion King, those scores, those, the King of Pride Rock score I just told you about, that eventually actually became a song for the Broadway show called Shadowland. I did not know that. And it also the... That actually was another song for the Broadway sh that got into the Broadway show called Endless Night. Oh, wow. Okay. This is Ben. Random facts with Bill. Random facts with Bill. Ow. And what do they win if they get what song that's a parody of? They win your respect and a signed 1 800 God Pill t shirt. Signed by me. Yes, full disclosure. If you can actually name that song, we will email. We will mail you a free shirt signed by Bill. Signed by me, and like no you win my respect. No joke. Not even kidding. And you also win my respect. Yes, and he wins his respect. Um, um but yeah, but yeah, it's just, it's just the music is. Hans Zimmer's music just does really great. And also his score does up the intensity in The Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. And just everything else. And that's what I really love about Hans Zimmer's music. It's just very... It's very intense and it just really adds to the emotion. Yeah, absolutely. He He's so good at what he does. It's incredible. Yeah. All right. JT, over to you. Number three. My number three pick ladies and germs children of all ages people who don't even know who i am but that's okay so my number three ladies and gents is going to be a composer that i believe who who will achieve goat status pretty darn soon and okay. he's very he's in his i want to say he's in his 50s i'm not sure but his name is michael giacchino oh i know him he composed some of my favorite movies of the past 10 years, even more than that. Uh, he is known for, those of you who don't know, for those keeping track of him, he was known for The Incredibles, uh, Incredibles 2. Uh, he composed all three of the Star Trek movies so far, Star Trek 2009, It's Darkness, Beyond, uh, the Planet of the Apes films. He's composed uh, the Thor Love and Thunder movie. He composed the score to The Batman this year in 2022. He also composed all, all three Cars movies, Up, Ratatouille, this guy, Doctor, the first Doctor Strange film, Spider-Man, Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home, and the Mission Impossible franchise. This is one, this is one of my favorite composers living today. The dude is freaking awesome. I love this guy. He's and his score. He he's very diverse. He can do sci-fi. He can do what do you call? It? He can do sci-fi with Star Trek and Jurassic Park and stuff like that. Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic World One, I believe. 
Uh, he also he also has done right stuff like Pixar films, like Ratatouille and Up, The Incredibles, etc. But he can show a really dark side with the Batman. Like Bill, Bill and I and Justin and Justin, our, our dear friend, saw the Batman earlier this year in March. And yes, we, we did. Were, and I have to tell you, one of the things that I remember the most about that movie was the score. Yeah, the film itself, I remember a lot of stuff about it. But there was something so menacing. About it really that, was. It was the sort new of like, Batman score. Because what I liked about the score, and I, I'll even say this about the movie, um, was even about with the movie, um, is that it kind of had like that more detective type feeling into it, and that has to do with Michael Giacchino. Yeah, absolutely. And his music really, the score itself of the franchise. Of the Batman, I feel. I hope he comes back to do the second Batman film and the, uh, for a third one too. Seriously, I really hope so. Would not be uh, opposed to that. No, no, of course. He also, and let's not forget, he did Inside Out. Bill, the guy has done animated films, live action films, sci fi films. Uh, uh, he has done Pixar's, Paramount, Warner Brothers. You name it, the guy can pretty much do it all. He is such a, a phenomenal composer. Yeah. You know what the fate? You know what a favorite of everybody's is from his. It's from Up. It's the piece "Married Life." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody loves it because I think with the that with just the mood of the of the opening 10, 20 minutes. It's like yeah. it just shows you the life of these two people and shows you what a marriage is really about it. You know, it's good times, it's bad, it's ups and downs, and the music really helps with that, because yeah. in those first couple minutes of dialogue, uh-huh. in those first couple minutes of the movie, there's really no dialogue. It's just the music, and he composed the music for those scenes. And the music really just helps tells the story. Absolutely, Bill. This is one of my favorite composers at the moment because he's so diverse. He's done, like I said, he's done the Star Trek films. He's done the Planet of the Apes films. He's done Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Uh, he's done Star... He composed Star Wars uh, Rogue One. You know, he's done a Star Wars movie. He did... Uh, I'm just looking, We're looking up what he did. He did Cloverfield. He did a couple Toy Story spin-off little shorts. I mean, he has done a lot of really highly successful, highly acclaimed films in general like he did super eight also him and jj abrams kind of pair up a lot i don't know if you noticed that yeah like jj abrams did star trek and star trek in darkness and super eight and then he composed the music for those films hmm. he also jj also did i believe it was mission impossible three and he did that one too so he composed the score for that too he, who who am i to blame who am i to blame who am I to complain about Michael G. Chino composing some of the best, like, modern day films out there? I mean, he, he, he's, he's, he's hit, but like, like I said, the Batman score really proved that he can do dark music, which is yeah, great. And, really his birthday, and his birthday, and, and his birthday is October 10th, 1967. So happy nine days late birthday, Michael G. Chino. Yes, happy late birthday to Michael G. Chino. Um, anyways, it was, did we swipe right at all? Was this, was this on your list or no? He was not on my list. Okay, cool. All right. What is your number three, my friend? My number three, and you just talked about him. I did. Was it Danny Elfman? It was, it's Danny Elfman. 
All right. Talk to me, buddy. What do you got? So Danny Elfman, you know, JT, we hit upon it very well. You know, he has done a lot of work with Mr. Tim Burton. Yes. Yes. But um, he's done a lot of work with Tim Burton. He's done Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Batman. Sam Raimi. Yeah, we'll get to him in a... Yeah, he's done, you know, he's... First, his non-Burton stuff, I love the the original score from... I love the score from Spider-Man 1, which, holy shit, this year it's 20 years old. I Yeah, hard to believe, but yeah. But anyway, dun, 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 you know, that... It's, it just really adds to the emotion. What I really love in Spider-Man... What I really yeah. love in Spider-Man is when he, like, after, um, even though it is a lot of the same sound and music throughout, I love that scene when after Uncle Ben dies and after Peter's high school graduation, he's in, he's in his room. Yeah. And he pulls out the, and he pulls out the costume drawing and you hear Uncle Ben's voice. With great power comes great responsibility. Remember that, Peter. Remember I, that. I love that scene when he's like drawing that, drawing it out his costume. Yeah, and the music's in the background. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, but you all know what you really want to hear me talk about. Yes. His work with Tim Burton. Like he could just really just be that, you know, the Pee-Wee's big adventure, the dun 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 dun, dun that bombastic kind of quirky. Yeah, the bombastic kind of quirky sound, and also, and we hear that also in um, in Beetlejuice. Yep, my my favorite part of that, like, is from the opening when he's like from the opening, the very opening titles for Beetlejuice. The day when they hit day, oh, we said day, oh, in the choir. Daylight comes and we want to go home. Dun 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 dun. dun. Kind of has again, sort of that creepy feel to it. And then, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the Batman score. Mm-hmm. Like, there's actually a funny story behind that. Um, there's actually a funny story behind that. Um. When they were um when Tim Burton and Danny Elfman were pitching, were like talking to one of the executives and and one of the executive he just seemed very not interested. Uh-huh. And Tim Burton looks at Danny Elfman and goes, Danny, put on the march. And the executive was doing this with his pen. He's like, ooh, I like this. Like soul. Awesome. Like that that score basically saved the movie. Wow, I didn't know that. That basically, yeah, because I actually watched it from a few years ago. Danny Elfman actually had his scores composed, his scores performed live at um Lincoln Center. Danny Elfman, I just want to say, if you ever want to come back to New York and do that, I will totally be there. Danny, will you go with me? 
Would you go with me if that happened? I would go with you, Bill. And and also, you know, the Edward Scissorhands theme, which I think is actually very heartwarming. It's it's a little odd sounding, but it's very touching, the Mm -hmm. theme. Yeah. And also, you know what TV show Danny Elfman actually did the music to? Which one? The Simpsons. Like the score? No, he did the main theme. The I didn't know that. That's crazy. And it's actually a funny story because in the 80s, Danny Elfman was actually in a band called Oingo Boingo. We did talk about that at one point. Yeah. And they actually do want to play one of my favorite songs, Dead Man's Party, which I listened to this time of year. But um, nice. anyway, um, Matt Groening, who was the who is the creator of The Simpsons, he actually did, he was actually an entertainment critic. And he wrote to the, um, and he was reviewing Oingo Boingo. And he hated the show. He absolutely hated the show. Oh, wow. And Danny Elfman, like, I think wrote back to him and said, you know what, Matt? You. And, and, um, yeah, he wrote, you know what, Dan- Matt, F you. And then years later, Matt Groening calls Danny Elfman into his office and says, hey, I want you to compose the theme to this, mu- to this, um, show we're doing. And he's, and Danny Elfman's mm-hmm. sitting there thinking like, okay. And he's like, you know, you seem familiar. And he goes, well, I used to write entertainment for the uh, so-and-so times. Oh, I don't know if you remember. I went to one of your shows and I wrote a very scathing review of it. Oh, wow. And he's like, oh, <laughs> I thought that name's not familiar. I-, I didn't mean to retaliate. He goes, ah, water on the bridge. And of course, I think you all know what movie you want me to talk about with his score. Yes. Right here before Christmas. Like, this was the first time he actually wrote songs for a movie in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, he actually did the singing voice of Jack. He, he did? He, yeah, he did the Chris Sarandon to Jack Skeleton speaking voice. Danny Elfman actually did his singing voice. Oh, oh wow. And he actually... um. And he actually, because he actually says he connected with Jack a lot. Mm. And and they audition a bunch of people to do the singing. And and Tim looks to Danny and Danny goes, Tim, there's a bunch of other people who can do it better than me. He goes, Danny, just do it. Just do it. And he actually did a bunch of, he actually did the voices of a bunch of other characters in that movie too. Really? Talk about being in complete musical control. Yeah, literally. Like, and I've told this story before, but um, and I think what makes Dan this so great about Danny Elfman is, and I've told you guys this before, Danny Elfman, they actually wrote the songs before they wrote the script. You did mention that. Yeah, because uh, it's like Danny Elfman explained it like to Tim. Okay, Tim, we gotta get to work. 
let's start writing those songs. And then Danny Elfman said, and then Tim Burton said, Danny, we don't even have a script yet. And Danny just sat down on the piano and said, all right, Tim, tell me what's going on scene by scene. Like, pretend you're telling your nephew a bedtime story. Pretend you're telling your nephew a bedtime story. Tell me what's going on. And you know what? And I've talked about this before. That's impressive. That he could just write songs and scores just by being told what's going on. Yeah, that's crazy. Be like, okay, so okay, so it's a town in like that's like Halloween theme. Okay, so it's so boys and girls of every age. Wouldn't you like to see something strange? Come with us and you will see. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Or okay, so he's in Christmas town and he's just very confused by everything. So what's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. So it's just so impressive how this man's brain works. Yeah, you could just write a song by being told what's going on. Talent. That is just true talent. Like, like, listen, I've seen interviews with him. He seems a little quirky, but believe yeah. it or not, I think that's part of his charm. Yeah, I think that's part of Danny Elfman's charm. I think his quirk is part of his charm. Yeah. Like, and like just wondering what you know, like I said, what like what him and Tim did in the Nightmare Before Christmas, what he did like with others, and just really, and just like how his style just really is. It's just really, it can be dark and menacing, but it can also be fun and campy, right? And I think that's why I love him so much. His music is just so entertaining. Like in the doc, like his work, not just with Tim Burton, with Sam Raimi. We talked about Spider Man and Doctor Strange. Yeah, he really just his work is just very. I don't know how to his his work is like all over the place, but in a good way. He can be intense and adventurous. He can be dark and menacing. He can be fun and campy. Yeah. And I think that's what makes Danny Elfman one of my favorite composers. I know you talked about him earlier, but you have anything to add on? No, you pretty much nailed it. So pretty much nailed it. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you added on to what I said, and then add, added more. So, all right. So you're number two, my friend. My number two might surprise some people at home, but actually, actually surprise a lot of people. Uh oh. My number two is Hans Zimmer. As much as I'm not a fan of some of Nolan's films, because we know you can go on a whole TED talk about this. I could, even though, because I feel Nolan's films are very much like the same tone, same style, whatever. Um, hear me out for a sec. Hans Zimmer's score <laughs> to a lot of these films is really good like obviously there's i mean i don't think it's a perfect film but the, the dark knight 
had yes. a great score. Uh, Man of Steel had a great score. Dunkirk. Um, a lot of Nolan films that they work together on have great scores. Uh, Interstellar. Anyone? Inception. Anyone? Top Gun Maverick. Anyone? Oh, come on. The Da Vinci Code. Anyone? Mm. No Time to Die. These are really, really solid movies. <gasps> I have the hiccups. I'm sorry. But Hans Zimmer's Gore, something about him as a composer really makes it very uh, ominous, very out there, very much majestic. But at the same time, it can be loud and it can be quiet at the same time. I'm a big, big, big fan of that. It can be very Um, epic. Yeah, his films are very, very epic uh, scores. I mean, look, I was... I mean, some people, I mean, everyone knows how I feel about the Dark Knight trilogy, um, which I believe I believe it's a very good trilogy. Don't get, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, the score is what one of the things that carried those films for a lot of people. Like the Dark Knight, the score is brilliant. Oh, br- it is. I mean, I can go back and watch that movie just to hear the score. I can go back to any one of those films and listen to that to get the score. Uh, I I love the man of the man of steel score. I think that score is very very bombastic, majestic and a nice modern take on the John Williams score from the 19 the 70s and 80s. But the the man of steel score I thought was great too. He did a couple of the parts of the Caribbean films. He has done Dune part 1, part 1 that was just out or whatever. Uh, last year, the year before, or last year, or uh, this year, I forgot. He, he did Sherlock Holmes. I forgot he did Sherlock Holmes. He did the Amazing Spider-Man too. Now, whatever, whatever, whatever you think about the movie, movie that's one thing. But the but the soundtrack really the score the score. Excuse me, the the score was incredible. Batman v Superman. Whatever you think about it, the score was still pretty damn good. So Wonder Woman 1984, another one. So, bottom line, Hans Zimmer is one of those composers that I have the hiccups. I'm terribly sorry. You've been drinking again. I need to. I need to get water in a second. Um, but basically, Hans Zimmer is a masterful composer. A lot of people think he's the next John Williams. I would not say that. Those are big shoes to fill. I don't think it's necessarily him. But hey, anything's possible. But Hans Hans Zimmer's up there for me as my number two. Bill, what is your number two as I go get a glass of water? Okay, my number two is this might be a weird choice to some, but I don't care what y'all think. My number two, Alan Menken. You're gonna have to uh, talk about this one more because I I I said oh he's a Disney Disney composer. Yeah, am I gonna have to enlighten all of you lovely folks? Um, with the with with the Cliff Notes version. Okay, Alan oh, Menken. I'm gonna get water. Okay, Alan Menken is a composer of stage and screen. He his film debut is in 1986 with a 
which was an adaptation of their musical called Little Shop of Horrors, in which he worked with the uh, late, great Howard Ashman. But since then, he became one of... He became Disney's premier composer. Yeah, he, he became Disney's premier composer doing the doing the music of the work doing the work of the music of all the um of most of the films from Disney the Disney Renaissance, which was, you know, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Tangled. Well not Tangled was much later. But he has had this man has won eight Oscars. Do you hear that, JT? This man has won eight Oscars. I heard that. He, he won, he has the mo most Oscars of anyone that is alive. He's won in, he won two in 19, in 1989 for Little Mermaid, winning for Best Original Score, and for Under the Sea for Best Original Song. For, and actually, fun fact, they actually thought, because um, they thought the big Oscar winner was going to be the other nomination from, from whatchamacallit, from, Little Mermaid, the song Kiss the Girl. They thought that was going to be the big Oscar winner. Ended up being Under the Sea. Um, and then the next year, he won Best Original Score and for Beauty and the Beast and Best Original Song, which is Beauty and the Beast, Tale as Old as, you know, the Tale as Old as Time. Rest in peace, Angela Lansbury. Right. Um, you know, speaking of Angela Lansbury, Alan Megan, I actually read this interesting story. Um, the day they were going to record that song, the day they were going to record that song, The Tale as Old as Time. Um, yeah. The Angela Lansbury's flight got delayed. Okay. And she came in late. And Mankin told her, Listen, um, Angela, if since you came in late, if you want to do it, if you want to, if you, we can do it tomorrow. It's no big deal. And she's like, no, I don't want to waste the orchestra's time. She literally walked in there and she did that whole song in one take. Mm. She did that whole song in one take. That's crazy. And it was flawless. And yeah, but and then 1992, he won Best Original Score for Aladdin and Best Original Song with A Whole New World. And 1995, he won Best Original Score for Pocahontas and Best Original Song with Colors of the Wind. And he, he has eight Oscars for all these different films. Yeah, that's crazy. And and he um and 
what is so great is when you think, okay, he's a Disney composer. It's probably all those, you know, catchy, fun songs. It is, you know, songs like Under the Sea, Be Our Guest, Friend Like Me. Yeah. Are those catchy, you know, are those, you know, real catchy songs? But it could also be the, you know, the whimsical, like he invented the periodic, when it comes to Disney, the song, he invented this, the classic I Want song. Okay. Like, which is, which was originally invented in Little Shop of Horrors with the song Somewhere That's Green. But I think he perfected it with the song Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid. Like, and just with the squiggle, and like when you hear that song, it's just so you just really feel the emotion. And just like my favorite part of that song is actually the reprise when Ariel goes, I don't know when, I don't know how, but I know something's starting right now. And you hear that orchestra, it's wish I could be part of your world. I'm like, yeah, that is, but I think you know what my favorite score slash music he did was. Sausage Party from 2016. No. I'm just kidding, but go on. Hunchback. I, I No, duh. I figured that out. How many times have I talked about Hunchback on this show? You, you, you don't have to go off on it now, but yes, we've talked about it a lot. Yeah, but anyway, just with the, I think it's one of his more serious scores. I think okay. what really perfects it is they actually recorded the score in a giant ass cathedral with like okay. a big ass choir. Yeah. And if you listen to the, not just the songs, the songs are great. Um, except for the freaking gargoyles. Um, the, the, the music is just the score is just freaking gigantic. Mm. It's absolutely freaking gigantic. Like it really makes you sound like you're in a cathedral. Mm -hmm. And you know, of course, probably the best villain song ever written, Hellfire, mm. which I really like it's the song before the song Heaven's Light. It yeah. really, because both Quasimodo and Frollo are singing about, are singing about the gypsy girl Esmeralda. And what's interesting is during the song Heaven's Light, Quasi is singing like she's an angel sent from heaven. Yeah. And then like, the, which is probably my favorite part of the song, the, and as I ring these bells tonight, my cold dark tower seems so light. I swear it must be heaven's light. And then, and then when that's over, it cuts into the Mare Maria, the over to the song Hellfire, how I said heaven's light quasi singing about her like she's an angel sent from heaven. Mm -hmm. And then Frollo with the song Hellfire, she's he's singing like he was she was sent by the devil. Mm. Like she was sent by the devil to tempt him. And 
the best part of that song, and this is what really just makes it feel intense, is these faceless hooded monks just pop out when Crowley's leading me to sin. And he's like arguing with them. It's not my fault. I'm like, eat all about it. I'm not too late. Eat all about it. It is a gypsy girl to which you said this one. Eat all about it. Like they're just mocking him. And it's just so freaking intense. Like, and just all of all of Alan Mankin's music. Like, what is so great about this, about his music, it's you can tell every song he wrote is a freaking labor of love. Mm -hmm. It's just that he really just cares about his music and just and he just really he just literally put so much passion into it. And it's just mm. so because um because what's um what's actually um what's actually really um because I actually saw a a um an interview with him and he goes, What motivates you when you write music? And he goes and he goes what motivates me is when I write something bigger than myself. And, and what's actually kind of funny is the movie Newsies, it came out like the same time Aladdin. Okay, Alan yeah. Menken is now an EGOT. Emmys, Gram he's won Emmys, Gra Grammys, Oscars, and, and the Tony. That's crazy. But when the movie Newsies came out, he actually became a the first ever regot. He won a Razzie for worst song for the song High Times, Hard Times. From oh, New God. Days. Yeah, and you yeah. Know what? He jokes about it. He's like, I'm the first ever regot. <laughs> Going, I wish I had a statue for my Razzie. You know, I, I kind of like how he could just joke about that and just have fun with it. Um, yeah, he's like, I'm the first ever regot, and and you know what's so great about like with Newsies is like when it first came out, it was a big fat flop. It didn't do too good at the box office. It didn't do too good with critics. And when Alan Menken went to Jeffrey Katzenberg, he said, "But Jeffrey, it's a good movie." He goes Menken, I can take ten million dollars and throw it at the Heaney Boulevard, and we'll do just as good. Mm. Um, but yeah, but yeah. But Megan's music is just, it's something else. And he's actually with the Little Mermaid remake that's coming out. Yeah. And I'm just going to say to all of those who are attacking Holly Bailey, please get a freaking life. Just, just get a life, please. But, and he's actually, they said that actually writing, that he might be writing new songs this time. With Lynn Manuel Miranda. Oh wow. The guy who did um Hamilton, yeah, in the Heights, Moana. And I guarantee you, Alan's just saying is saying, Well, Lynn, why don't we just like put lyric new lyrics into the old songs? And Lynn is probably going, But oh, come on, Alan, I want to write new songs. I want to finally get my Oscar. And then Alan's like, I already have nine of them. I already have eight of them. You're not missing much. I already have eight of them. 
I already have eight Oscars. I already have eight Oscars. Oh, please. Like, okay, you know what? I could use a ninth. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't have enough on my shelf. I got to build a new shelf. Um, My display case is missing one. <laughs> it'll go right next to my Razzie. Yeah, literally. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm sorry. I just gave you a whole doctoral thesis on Alan Menken, but um, you're good, bud. You're good. No, no, but this is why he is one of my favorite film composers. All right, cool. JT, is it that time? Yes, it is time for our number one film composer tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I think I know what it is. Do you? I I do. You do. Let's just get right into it. Ready? One, two. two. Three. 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 You know, we have to. We kind of have to. We there's there's no denying that John Williams is the best composer of all John time. John freaking Williams. Have a Hans Zimmer, all you Nolan sweaties. Listen, you got nothing on John Williams. John Williams is a master composer. These are composed. These are songs. These are scores that I can sing, that I can be a part of. These are scores that are truly epic in every sense. DT. Superman. Star Wars. Indiana Jones. They're just so. They Remember? just have like a mix of emotions. Yeah. They just have like a mix of emotions. When if it's like the terror of something like the terror of the Jaws theme. Oh my! Same thing there. Yeah, Jaws. I forgot he did that one. Because you know what? Once you think about it, it really establishes an interesting question. And I brought yeah. this up before. Yep. What's more scarier, JT? What you see or what you hear? Good question. Well, Is... when you have his fake, when you have um, John Williams' dum 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 The music builds it up, but if it was just, I guarantee it was just the footage, you'd be like, oh. And then you have the whoopsie. Of E.T. Yes. Of E.T. With um the do 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 with the bike. Yep. I gotta tell you something truthfully. What? It's funny you mentioned E.T. I, I just saw E.T. back in theaters. I did a video on this. It's coming out soon on our channel. Look for it soon. Um, I did a video on our on, for our YouTube channel. It was a Fathom events thing, right? I did a I did a I did a Fathom Events editorial, and I saw at ET back in theaters for its 40th anniversary this year, which is hard to believe. Came out 40 years ago, but anyways, that score with him in front of the moon back in theaters was I was crying, Bill. I was crying. Can you, I, I don't know if you, I don't know if those of you who are, are, are grown men that cry with and stuff like that. Yeah, it was one of those moments. Because like I had this conversation with someone the other day, um, who will remain nameless. But basically, we discussed that hey, film, some films were meant to be seen in theaters because of the surround sound, 
or like Interstellar was meant to be seen in theaters, or like even like Indiana Jones, the Raiders of the Lost Ark was meant to be seen in theaters, or Star Wars meant to be seen in theaters because the surround sound is there for the movie. And with when you have a composer like John Williams, who has composed some of the best scores of all time, when you say Jurassic Park, boom, when you say ET, boom, when you say close, close encounters of the third kind, boom, you want to say, uh, uh, Braves of the Lost Ark, in, in, in all three in, in Indiana Jones movies, boom, you want to go to Star Wars, boom, there are Schindler's List, Schindler's List, there he composed some of the most memorable scores out there. It just has like the range of emotions, like the, the terror in Jaws, the adventure, you know, the whimsy in ET, the West Side adventure. Story 2021. Yes, another the, example of that. The adventure of the adventure of Indiana Jones or Star Wars. Yeah, he he, he knows and how to the, the somberness of Schindler's List. The the on wonder of Jurassic Park, yeah, just that. It's written out so perfectly, like the music itself is like, oh my god, oh that's Jurassic Park. People people know that his scores. If you, that's the thing, if people were like, oh like oh if they play like the Dark Knight theme, some people might know it for sure, but if you play the Star Wars theme, everyone like, knows what that is. The Star Wars opening theme. Yeah, it's like that person. The dun 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 dun. It's like when you see that opening up a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's like the equivalent of that person of that person you know who, like, when they talk, what do you do? You, you like sh- go. You shut up and listen. <laughs> exactly, it's true. That per- person, like when they talk, you shut up and listen. Yeah, like, shut up when you're listening watching Star Wars. <laughs> and that is the that is like the equivalent. Like when you hear that 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 Credits are rolling in space, and you hear that the crawl, yeah, the crawl, um, yeah, and not just look. You gotta remember, Star Wars was 1977. The film came out like 40, almost 50 something years ago now. Um, so you look at that, and then a couple years later, he does Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of my my, my favorite movie of all time, ladies and gentlemen. His favorite movie of all time. If you if you listen to that, what? The man can do so many. He was he's he he came out of retirement to do Star Wars Indiana Jones. That's it. That's the only films he's doing scores to. Like, and you know what? He's also seems like just such a nice guy because and he's 90. He's 90 years old. He's 90 years old. Ready? Yikes. God bless him. He was born February 8th, 1932. Like he, like he actually, um, and he seems like just such a nice guy because two things, and I've actually said these things before. One time he was like being hired at Harvard's commencement. Yeah. And one of Harvard's acapella groups, like Darren goes, Mr. Williams, we have a little surprise for you. 
and they did like all his scores and he's just sitting there enjoying every minute of it and he's like hamming it up he's just he's getting real enjoyment out of it it's not the oh god this is so stupid look it's <laughs> he's actually getting enjoyment my, my favorite part of that performance like again i gotta send it to you they're like when they're doing the jaws like da -da, da -da. shark 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 yeah it's funny and also another thing and i think i've explained this one too um two kids they must have been about i don't know 11 or 12 years old yeah them and their mom flew out to california with their trumpets <laughs> stood outside john williams's home okay and played the star wars theme wow that takes guts like and the mom is like he's right there and they just keep playing they brush it off yeah yeah right mom no he's right there oh my god and no he was literally right there he literally came out that's crazy he's like yeah i i heard the noise and i'm I'm one. I was wondering. I wanted to check this out. What is it? And they're like, and he shook their hand. He's like, "How old are you guys?" Like a ten and twelve. That was very impressive. I'm like, these kids had the guts to fly to freaking California and play the Star Wars theme in front of John Williams's house. That's honestly insane. If I was to go and do something outside John Williams's house, I'd probably get arrested. Yeah, it, it might be like, hey, John Williams, can I get your autograph? No, go away. <laughs> John, if you want to know more, just call 1-800. Got Bill. <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, Let's be clear. This is our number one. Yeah, like, this isn't even a debate. No, it's not. I know. I was literally, JT, I was debating. Number one, number two, am I going to put John Williams or am I going to put Alan Menken? Like, th that was a difficult decision I had to make. John Williams. No, like, no listen, Alan Menken, I just gushed about him of how talented he is, but John freaking Williams. Yeah, hell yeah. John Williams. The GOAT composer. He's just, like, what else can we say about this guy? Other than that, he's a, the best composer that we've ever had, probably. I would probably say, would you say probably the best composer since Mozart? Mm, oh, that's a little may, bit. That's a loaded question. I mean, that's a tough question. Loaded questions! Oh, God. Well, this is our number one, though, right? John Williams. Cool. cool you cool. know, he has the most Oscar nominations that's alive of everyone. How much is it? Hold on, let me look. Yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering out of curiosity. I know he has a lot. I wasn't sure how many how much it is. John Williams. John Williams. John Williams. Fifty two Academy Award nominations. Holy crap! <laughs> you know how. He is actually the second most nominated individual of all time. Guess who number one was? Spielberg? Who? Walt Disney. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, he is second after only Walt Disney. Yeah, the original Walt Disney. Like, Walt, Walt Disney. So. Um, 
Yeah, so John Williams. But wait, JT, what about all the... My JT, Hans Zimmer is so much better because we're such Nolan fanboys. Leave. Now. And don't worry, you won't be hearing any comments from Sideways 2010 Sideways Hat Frat Boy guy. He got oh. arrested for stealing my credit card last week. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and he could be going to jail for a long time. So we won't have to deal with him anymore. Yes, no more dealing with Frat Boy. Yeah. So he was a 100th yeah. episode only guy. Yeah. Well, no, he was in 99, though, too. He was. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, but yeah, John Williams is our number one film composer. Any objections from anyone? No. Even if you do object, your objections will not be entertained. Yes, because this is just the truth. This is a fact. This isn't just an opinion. This is a fact. Yes, your opinion is wrong if you think this is otherwise. Your opinion is meaningless. <laughs> Straight up. No. If, if you don't think John Williams is the greatest composer ever, film composer ever. Yeah, but JT and Bill, no. <laughs> No. no, we like you, Hans Zimmer, but no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is that going to do it for us, Bill? I think that's it. We want to thank you all for watching, of course, and tuning in as always and being a part of our discussion here on the Super Review Show. I want to thank my good co-host right here, Bill Murphy, for doing the show with me every single Wednesday night. Always a pleasure, my friend. Yes. and so Sorry we're a little late tonight. Uh, I was tied up with something in my personal life, and I had to take care of it ahead of time. And I wasn't—I wasn't home till like seven o'clock, so I had to get going pretty quick. But yeah. And plus, next week we're gonna do a—we're gonna do a special episode for Halloween. Yes, look for our Halloween episode of movies or whatever. We, we've yet to figure out what it is specifically. But no, we're, we're, we know what it is. We do. You're right. Why don't you tell them? Why don't we keep them in suspense to next week? You are all are gonna be in suspense. Suspense. Week. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> dun dun. Uh, I'll give you. Why don't we give the lovely people a hint? One hint. That's it. Okay. The one hint. It includes the music of one of the composers we talked about this evening. Yes. That'll. That's your only hint. Okay. That is your only hint for tonight. That's it. That's you're your just only gonna hint. have to figure out next week what it is. Looks like they're gonna have to get a mixed bag of candy. Ah. Ah. So, anyways, that's gonna, but that will do it for us, though. And uh, wait, how can I forget, Bill? You have a what? Don't forget to check out the Sports Insanity podcast on the Sports Insanity Network. Check us out on all platforms, and check us out possibly tomorrow night for for Thursday night Gridiron at seven p.m. And don't forget to check out Sunday Sideline Report at ten. Yes. It's it's heavy duty season for a lot of sports fans out there, and they're doing a great job out there. So yeah, yeah. good job, Sports Insanity Podcast. Woo, we're awesome. Yes, but that's gonna do it for us here at the Super Show. Thank you so much for watching, listening. Have you enjoyed us? So stay safe and take care.